Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Priest of Dispatchers podcast. PD here. The episode you're about to listen to is After Dinner Chat, episode 6 with Deborah Edwards, all the way from the UK, a UK former LDS Facebook group creator. As always, please like and subscribe to the podcast, and if you're feeling friendly, leave a review. A nice one. Anyway, let's get on with it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Priest of Dispatches After Dinner Chat, episode 6, with the very lovely Deborah Edwards um, coming to us live from England, down south, um, and it's the 29th of October, so we're, we're leading up to Halloween, hence a little bit of fake cobweb um, hanging out there, and I've also got with me as a, an extra special guest this evening, um, this is Zelf Jr., uh, the white pygmy Lamanite, um, so uh, junior to the one that Joseph Smith found on the plains. Um, and he's recently had his work done, hence his uh, fantastic robes of the priesthood there. Um, so, Zelf, you will reside there. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, welcome, Deborah. Um, whereabouts are you coming from in England? I'm coming from a little village near Western Supermare called Banwell. Fantastic. And before we get into your story, so everyone can frame it, um, because that's not where you're originally from. No. Um, where, did you, where did you grow up? I originally grew up in Little Halton in Salford. Shout okay. out to my Little Halton friends. That's where I lived till I was 27, till I married and moved to North Staffordshire. And then we moved down here in 97. Fantastic. Now, this evening's episode will be slightly different in the fact that usually we have a very condensed bio at the beginning um but in previous um i guess getting to know you interviews with deborah um you've got a fantastic story as i put it in the description from catholic Mm -hmm. schoolgirl to mormon missionary and beyond Mm -hmm. um, and how you got there so there will be a lot about deborah this evening and i feel like we'll really get to know her the life and times of Deborah Edwards. So we'll we'll begin in Salford, which is near Manchester, um, in the north west of England. Uh-huh. Um, and some good football clubs there. Yes. Are you a fan? Not particularly, no. I always keep an eye on what they're doing, but Very my heart is with Stoke City. I tend to watch see what the, the potters are doing more often. Fantastic. That was our families. Well, if if we go to the photograph that we've got on the thumbnail, um, and I think it was a photograph of you at your first communion. Yes. For many of us, we won't have experienced a communion mm. or what, what that actually is. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that day? Yes, it's still very vivid in my memory. It's um, a rite of passage for Catholic children around the age of seven and you have to be seven to take your first Holy Communion. And um, we had lessons to prepare us for it. We had an interview with the priest 
where I get I made up a middle name because I didn't have one. So my certificate actually has a middle name that I don't really have. But right. anyway, um, and it was a big thing. We all dressed up in white with veils and the boys wore white shirts and red ties. And we went to church on communion day and we paraded down the aisle and you were given your first communion. And it's a big celebration and the family came round. That particular photograph, I was having a bit of a grump apparently. My mother said that the devil got into me that day. I don't think I liked all the fuss, you know. But I remember having that photograph and feeling a bit, bit miserable, you know. Oh dear. Well, <laughs> but it's... And before that, you have to have your first confession the Saturday before, where you go to confession for the first time. And I hadn't really done anything majorly wrong, so I made up a couple of sins to, to do what I. To, to be to be forgiven of, so I could make my first Holy Communion. And there's the photograph for anyone who was uh, there. It is, yeah. It's like yes. some, it's something off of a almost a horror movie um, kind of front page, isn't it? Well, my son said it was like something else of Midsummer, which I yeah. watched recently. It was like, oh my god, yes. And come and get you. It's still very very vivid, and it was a vivid family, lovely memory as well. You know. Yeah. Well, but. I think the point being, it's very much along the same lines of a Mormon upbringing. Um, around the same age, you have this big milestone, mm. um, and then you you go through that milestone, which is um, reliant <laughs> upon uh, your worthiness and your beliefs. Um, and then you were a Catholic schoolgirl. Yes, I where I lived in Little Holton was quite a strong. Catholic community really mostly descendants from because my family were Irish Catholic and um, went to a lovely Catholic primary school St Edmunds in um, Little Halton and um, I think most of my Catholic teaching came from school because I certainly don't recall doing any prayers at home or doing the rosary at home we did have a couple of statues and a cross but that was in my bedroom okay so I think really wasn't very strong at home itself, but certainly my Catholic upbringing was through through school. And you were going to be a nun? Well, yes. When I was around about seven or eight, probably around about that time, we had some nuns visit the infant school, as they often did. And they were thinking, oh, I want to be a nun when I get older. Good and then the next week I changed it to be I wanted to be a teacher. Distract. <laughs> Yeah, I think every, every Catholic school girl at one stage usually wants to be a nun and it tends to last about 24 hours. <laughs> I think because we had lots of nuns coming to teach us or they were, they were coming to play with us or to do activities right through to secondary school. And even in sixth form, I had a Catholic nuns teaching me. So um, I did have a great respect for that tradition. But yes, I did want to be for very, very fleetingly, I may add. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, it certainly didn't work. It didn't stick because yeah. you became uh, a raving, horn-growing heathen that was a Mormon. Um, yes. before, before we get into that story, mm. um, I just want to say to everyone, pop culture brought Deborah into the church and pop culture realised it had done a really bad thing and took <laughs> her out of the church later in life. Um, and we'll we'll see where where that comes in um but you are i think i've only ever met maybe three of you you're oh, okay. a bit like a bit like a, a unicorn um, yeah at least for my church life you're an osmond convert 
I was an Osman convert, yes. And when I joined the church, there were loads of us. Um, although I didn't join because of the Osmans, because my interest in religion, um, when I was raised Catholic, I really enjoyed it. I used to play massive with my friends. I was really into, really, really interested in all that side things of religion. And I loved the Osmans, found out there were Mormons, never heard of Mormons before. Um, some very close family friends of ours were Mormons. They were less active, but he gave me my first book of Mormon. I wrote off to the Osmond fan club just for a project I was doing at school. And Chris Osmond, who is the wife of the eldest Osmond, Viral Osmond, actually hand wrote me a letter and sent me a pamphlet. And then about a month later, the missionaries knocked on my door. So, yeah. <laughs> I think there were some GDPR issues there. Yes. But this was like 1976. You well, know, yeah, so, okay. yeah. <laughs> give whatever information out you want. Yeah. Um, so Vincent, yeah, Osmond mania was definitely a thing over oh, here. Oh, biggie, yeah. I wasn't allowed to go to any concerts, though, and I did not like puppy love. I still do not like puppy love. Right. But I wasn't allowed to go to any concerts. I didn't go to my first concert till 2003. <laughs> wow. Um, but yes, but yeah, my bedroom was covered, and I still today have, have a love and a lot of respect for um, especially Johnny, as my friends will know. <laughs> when uh, in, in the ward I was bishoping, one Sunday someone came, um, I was busy, they came up to the stand before sacrament and they said, oh, we've got a visitor. And I said, oh, well, okay, that's not new. And then mm. they pointed to the back of the chapel and Jimmy Osmond was sat at the back of the chapel. Oh, yes, yeah. Because he does the panto. He was, yes. They've been very active over here of course he's unwell at the moment because he had a stroke um a couple of years ago but they they do come over they're always over there's always an osmond performing somewhere which is wonderful so no fantastic <laughs> it's my little thing <laughs> you know what we've got osmond fans coming out on the uh the chat here mormon freedom really osmond fan osmond fan. i've not got my glasses on so i can't see the chats till later <laughs> no it's, it's okay it's, yeah oh shout so... out to any osmond converts and yeah yeah no, awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, Osman convert, the only one in your family. Um, that yes, so yes. My, my mother and father um, were supportive of me joining the church. They, they never stopped it. I think they, they, they did think it was just a fad and a phase I was going through. Um, my mother came to my baptism. Um, they never stopped it. They ne and actually... Um, the fad lasted 35 years, but my mother, when I was on my mission, well, we had home teachers, visiting teachers, um, you know, so we, it was, as I felt, it was a, a very amicable arrangement, but I'd love, I've sadly passed, they've both passed away now, but I'd love to find out what they really thought. My dad was really interested in the historical side, and he told me all about Brigham Young and the pioneers and polygamy. Okay. Um, he was really interested in all that, but they were they were very supportive, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't think you were going to be taken through that tunnel from Liverpool to Utah. No, <laughs> absolutely not, because that doesn't exist. No. no, um, no. So you uh, you were called, or you decided that you were going to serve a mission for the church um, <laughs> as a sister missionary, which I think is always very brave, um, because from my I guess, male perspective of being on a mission, there's always so many more elders than there are sisters. 
And for that reason, I think the sisters sometimes get some harsh treatment when it comes to the elders poking fun. Um, and I, I saw some really crazy mm. crap. Um, oh, yeah. I wouldn't send my daughter. But mm. you mm. went, um, and I'm sure it was character building. Um, yes, I, I served in the um, England Coventry Mission, which is now part of the Birmingham Mission, whichever that part is part of now, I don't know. With Quinn McKay was my mission president, who was an absolute saint. Was, was it not a red flag when the church literally sent you to Coventry? Well, <laughs> the, the local newspaper, the Farnworth and Worsley Journal, came and took a photograph of me and wrote an article. And the headline said, Deborah sent to Coventry. That was the headline. Now, for, for anyone outside of the UK or even inside the UK um, who doesn't understand the term sent to Coventry, um, it basically means like do one. You send someone to Coventry, you are sending them there because you do not like them. And you want them to go away. Um, so when they send, maybe that's why they changed the name of the mission to Birmingham. Um, Possibly, I think they, um, it was a very small mission, I think it was a boundaries exercise as well, you know, we sort of became, the second half of the mission was still called England Coventry, but we became part of what had then been called the England Birmingham, okay. and now it's all something else now, yeah, but there was, um, but you know, my parents were supporting that, and I'm an only child, and you know, my, my parents took me to the train station, and um said goodbye and all that and then my my dad told me when i came home that my mother broke down in tears at the station he had to take her to a cafe to calm her down because she thought she was never going to see me again it was the wow. time of the moonies yeah and um and that broke my heart till to this day that she made that huge sacrifice as a non-member you know yeah. so, and I think, I think they were glad that i wasn't going abroad I think that was a, you know, but, um, but then I was like, oh, you're like, what, an hour and a half away from home, which caused some issues later on. My uncle used to come and drop off parcels for me. He was a lorry driver and my uncle used to come and leave parcels on the doorstep and things because I served in Northampton, um, Nuneaton, Coventry briefly, Birkenhead and Crewe. Okay. So, uh, um, yeah, because you moved across in the end. Yes, yes, that's right. Birkhead and crew are part of the Birmingham, so we got sort of moved around a bit there. Yeah. I always say it was the best of times and the worst of times. Um, but we have a, a story from your mission, which is mm. particularly noteworthy. And now this yeah. is what, literally, you, we, we were speaking about this at one minute past eight. Mm. Um, oh, right. so yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about it, but this is one that I think could be up there with, like, short of church videos where a pioneer woman resurrects <laughs> an oxen or something like that mm, with mm. the handkerchief of her husband who's on a mission in britain um I've, I've not heard any stories of sisters invoking the priesthood to cast out demons um so if you can yeah, tell maybe. us the story mm. right well i was serving in my favorite which wasn't area birkenhead which is a very interesting area to serve in. 
Interesting. And you know, we've been attracting, knocking on doors, you know, very boring. And this elderly lady let us in, which wasn't really that old looking back, but to me, she looked really old. She probably was about 16. <laughs> and um, she said that she had these three demons that kept coming to her bedroom every evening. And could we do something about it? And she was, you know, wasn't a member. So to make my mission life a bit more exciting, I decided, well, I'm going to try and exercise these demons. <laughs> so me and my companion, who was like, I can't remember who, which one it was, it might have been Sister Classy, can't remember now, but anyway, we went upstairs and I went into this bedroom, had no feelings of weirdness or anything like that, you know, and I raised my hand to the square and I called upon my mission president, which was then Daryl Smith. I called upon the priesthood of the mission president, Daryl Smith, to cast out these demons that were in the room and that she would feel safe and they would not um, bother her again. Wow. And then we said goodbye. Nothing happened. Nothing dramatic happened. You know, I just did it. Just livened up the day. <laughs> she didn't want to see us again. You know, no more discussions after that, you know. Um, but I did tell my zone leader the next day and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, so we, there you go. I don't know. She, we, she never let us back in again, so we'll see. <laughs> no, I had, I had a sister call me when I was um, district leader and she'd got a greenie, a sister from Australia. Um, and I think this sister had started giving a priest a blessing, like uh, oh. healing the sick to an investigator um, and yeah, they, they, they kind of said, well, what do we do? And I'm like, did she do it? Yeah. Well, it's done, isn't it? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> if they get better. And uh, we, we know at this end of things that a sister's blessing is exactly the same as yeah. a, a brother's blessing. Yeah. And yeah. it might even be better because you guys are so much more caring um, well it was i mean we 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 had some good elders you know i made some lovely lovely friends on my mission i really did most of whom have left the church now as well i'm still in touch today and um me, me, you know we only counted one kind of misogyny episode with one very young utah boy but um mainly actually the prejudice came from some of the mem the british members really you know, I was told because I was a convert that mm. I wasn't a proper missionary. You know, um, converts converts to the church weren't proper missionaries. She preferred the ones that were being born into the church. I always thought they were the best. And I was also told um, my companion, now one of my favourite companions, um, we were in a ward in Crewe, which is a lovely ward. We loved being in Crewe. And um, our first Sunday, the ward mission leader commented and like, oh, we'll get loads of mission investigators now because we've got two dolly birds in the ward. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. Um, here's a shout from Doug Vincent. Now, I've not heard this one before. In the early church, sisters who had been to the temple were considered to have the priesthood. Um, that might be one for fact-checking later, Doug, but... I yeah, I, and I, I, can, a, yeah. I can see hints of that uh, mm. when you do look back at some of the stories. Yes, and they they do say that in the temple, mm. 
um, that sisters exercise the priesthood during the ordinances. Yes. Um, but they'll say anything these uh, days, I guess. Uh, um, I think I've heard that before. And that might have been what prompted me. May, I have a feeling that I may have been reading something about that, that I could do that. And then the opportunity, I didn't believe it was going to really happen. I was only doing it to keep her happy and sweet and calm her down. I wasn't really thinking, oh, this is going to make, because I didn't even believe there were any demons there. I just thought she's probably, you know, suffering from mental illness or something, you know. So. Well, well, you don't want to take the demons home with you. Um, no. That's all I'm saying, you know. it's, it's <laughs> uh, There's many a story. Um, I had one uh, where I genuinely thought we were being attacked by demons. Uh, yes. We fled the flat in the middle of the night, and, mm. yeah, mm. It, it's... I look back now and I'm like, was it? Mm. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah. basically. Mm. Um, so you you served your mission um, and then went home, obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> and what, what happened in life upon your return? Well, before my mission, I'd been to university and I trained, I trained to be a teacher um, and I have a have a degree in theology and education so i did that went on my mission and then when i came home i started teaching in salford teaching english and religious education and generally trying to get back on track really with life you know and all my friends had gone on missions as well or i'd left out the area so i came back to um my friends weren't around so making new friends um yeah just just working really. My mother was very poorly. So I was a young carer for most of my life. And my mother's health had actually deteriorated while I was on my mission. Okay. Um, so a lot of that was was caring for her as well. And I mean, she was okay, but she had good days and awful days. Yeah. You know. But, but her health definitely deteriorated while I was on my mission. And when I came home, there was a different, definite difference in her. Mm -hmm. um, but while I'd been on my mission, she'd have you know, although she wasn't a member, the visiting teachers being around, the home teachers went round, you know, Maureen and Veronica and their husbands, Joe and Harry, and I know they won't mind me mentioning, they were the best, you know, uh, and other members, because I went to, I was, when I joined the church, I was in Eccles Ward, which is now Swinton, um, and I'm still very close friends with lots of people there, and so I, I continued serving you know, I enjoyed teaching. I was on the state primary for a while, loved teaching and being involved in things, you know. But it was also a very lonely time as well because um, I think I went through a period of depression shortly after my mission. I remember thinking that I was around about that time. Um, I had a lot to contend with, really. My mother was ill. I was in a very stressful job. Um, my expectations especially after a couple of years, I wasn't married. I didn't have a boyfriend. There was a lot of pressure then. And that was, that was quite a lonely time looking back. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't get married till the age of 27. Which... That's right. Um, April, April, I always forget, you know, it's 19... April 87. When did I get, well, April 88. I was 27. That's yeah. right. I met Martin at, um, my very first single adult weekend at a friend's house. I met him there and instantly it was like, wow, we were in the kitchen all night talking. 
and then we we got engaged three months later and then we married about a year later and we married in the london temple and he'd been a convert as well he'd been a convert of about 15 months when i met him and he'd just been endowed he was older he was i think he was 30 when he joined the church so he joined the church quite a lot. it was a martin sadly passed away a few years ago but he was a very um a very peaceful man a very quite shy had a dark sense of humor at times loved his rock music in his 10 years after and all that and loved his football um very quiet man very very peaceable man and served very very faithful served very diligently you know oh, fantastic so um i married somebody who i never thought i'd marry wasn't a return missionary hadn't been in, only been in the church about 15 months you know um not what not what was exactly my enzyme story but it all worked out wonderfully and we both had established careers as well when we married which i yeah. think difference you know i know you were you were saying before that having a being a career mum in the church at that time was quite rare and some of the other sisters um kind of didn't know how to deal with that occasionally and it might have just been me um but occasionally it was i think from the older ones it wasn't the done thing um and I never worked full time until my youngest went to secondary, but I was very keen and I would encourage the young women's young adults to consider, you know, continuing their education, you know, to get careers um, as I've been brought up. That's how I've been brought up. So it was no, you know, it was just a continuation of the values that I've been taught already. Um, but I think most were, were supportive, but sometimes if I couldn't go to a certain meeting because I was just knackered, you know, or something, then, you know, but it depends where I was in, in the later wards before we left the church, it was more difficult then, even though it was many more years later. But I think, I think some of the youth, I hope, um, looked up to that, you know, I think I did. We used to look after some of our students when we were in Newcastle under Lyme ward. We used to look after some of the students there. They'd come round for tea and things like that. And I wanted to show our children that you can be, you can do this, you know. But I still, and I still feel at that time that being at home with the children was the best times as well. I really value, I really enjoyed that time. And work was there when I needed it or we needed it financially. And, and as the children got older, I could develop it in other ways. But my family always came first but I never found that um I never found it a conflict because Martin was very supportive you know so it's never a conflict at all you know yeah. and um it can be done yeah and I think all too often uh, you see families where the priesthood leaders out four or five nights a week and then oh, yes the sisters got either release society young women's or primary things to arrange on a oh. Saturday and then Sundays Hectic. yes and then before you know it the week's gone and you just do the same thing over and over again yeah we had that for a number of years we were very busy with things you know martin often served on the bishopric or he was either stake or ward clerk and we made a commitment very early on in our marriage that um we would all one of us would always be at home with the children 
you know, unless it was like going out for a date night or something, you know, yeah. and that, and it was okay to say, no, we can't go to that meeting or, which didn't always get down very well sometimes, but no, our, our commitment was to our child because we had, you know, our, my, my mother had died. My father was elderly. Martin, Martin's parents had died before we met. So we had no other family around us to support us as much as they could because Martin's sister who's like my sister from another mother she had her own family too but our priority was our family in our home the church in many ways did become second as far as the business of the church you know because I'd seen too many children when I because I joined the church when I was 15 so I'd seen too many children say that their dad you know I remember a very good friend of ours was released as bishop and he was saying, his little boy said that, um, can you read me a bedtime story now? And things like that. And we'd seen, you know, we'd heard stories of, of things where, you know, they'd never saw their dads. And I think that's how it was in the church, particularly in the 70s, the 60s, 70s and 80s. It was a very, very busy time. You could have up to three, five callings, you know. Yeah. So we tried to get that perspective as much as we could. Yeah. And we also felt it was important to be involved in the community as well. So I was very involved in the National Childbirth Trust. And my husband was very involved as a on the governors of the school. So because you were told to do that. So it was a busy time. Um, but yeah. I hope we tried to get the balance right, I hope. You know? I think these days it's it's very much insular in the church. Yes. And I yes. think we're we're kind of like everyone's just batting down the hatches because mm. the world has moved past us. Um, yeah and it's the whole we're not in the world oh what is it we're not of the world but we're in the world yes um, and i remember once saying in sunday school that and i probably got i don't know that um the world isn't that such a scary place and i was like this look of horror and shock from the teacher but obviously there's drugs and things like that but there are some wonderful things outside of the church. There are wonderful people. Yeah. You know, and you always have this thing, well, they're not a member of the church, but they're so nice. And it's like, well, yeah, you know. Yeah. And the, we had more mem we had more non-member friends than member friends, really, looking back. Yeah, you, know? you see, that's like I think about the people I used to work with who were either LGBTQ or, you know, in, in the UK. I don't think I ever worked with another Mormon. Um, so all of your friends outside of church or just in the normal walk of life were non-members. Yes. Um, and you constantly be, well, I love the sinner, but not the sin mm -hmm. and things like that. And you're like, well, it's a bit rude that in the end, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm being yeah. a bit of a, it's a backhanded mm -hmm. comment. Um, but I did notice the last few years of being in the church, or perhaps the last 20 years, really, that I did feel more, when I was with my non-member friends, particularly in the National Childbirth Trust, we had lots of women meetings and things like that, and other things that we got involved with at school. When I was with, I felt more myself. I felt that could be me. I noticed I was a lot more relaxed. Because I wasn't doing it for praise or glory. I was doing it because I was interested. I wanted to give yeah. something back, you know. But I did notice within myself, I thought, I'm different, you know. I'm more relaxed and more yeah. me. Isn't it strange that people can do nice things without the threat of hell? 
or the promise of heaven. Yes, you do it because you want to do it. You want to give something back. Because yeah. you care. Okay, so we've done a real whistle-stop tour um, <laughs> of Catholic schoolgirl through demon, demon-killing sister missionary all the way um, to mother, career woman. Um, and now I'm going to bring us to a point, and I'm going to labour the point. It might not be so much um, a point of view, but you did bring this up in our previous uh, chat, and that was the South Park. Uh, oh yes <laughs> we, we did say that osmond's brought you in um, yes. and now south park has a, a bit of a hand in taking you out um, and we've, we've got here the famous um i guess screenshot mm. from that south park episode um that i remember at the time when this came out obviously i was, I was tbm at the time and i was i was like no that's not real Oh, South Park, oh. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, about? yeah, my first reaction, yeah. Yeah, but you looked further. Yes, we, um, I remember, because we weren't, we, were that, we weren't that self-righteous, the fact that we did watch South Park, although I did feel uncomfortable at times, we did watch it, and this is the first time I'd seen it, and, uh, you know, the head and the hat, and the dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, you know, and, you uh, I remember, I remember looking at Martin saying, oh, that's not right. That can't be right. You know, and he just smiled and didn't say anything. And then it came back on TV a year later, as it does. And I turned to Martin and I said, um, I suppose when you think about it, it's a, bit, it's a bit weird what we believe in, isn't it? And he said, totally, in a really booming, because when he spoke, he, had a really, he could have a really booming voice, and he said, totally. And I was like, oh, that was a bit strong. You know, yeah. and then um, that was that began. That was I was already beginning to have some doubts. I mean, lots of issues of the church over the years were on my shelf that I should have spoken out about a lot more, but I didn't know how to. Um, but that that was on my shelf. Yeah, and then, um, and then that led me to just not being too scared to think in my head. Well, what if the church isn't true? Yeah. And I, That's a scary question. Trust yeah. But it's no wonder mm. we had that reaction um, mm. to what is an outside source that you would, you, you feel a bit bad for watching it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. And the farting. Mm. Um, <laughs> but then the church for however many years has stuffed this image down our throats. Um, as a missionary, I taught it, these images of Joseph with the plates, etc. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And then um, I saw saw the other day there was a talk, um, kind of a, a question and answer, an old one with Elder Ballard um, and Elder Oaks, President Oaks, whatever we call them. Oh. Um, and they were talking about church history and they pulled out from 1970 something yes. a BYU professor wrote and it was in one of the church magazines and it was about uh, like multiple versions of the first vision or something like that. And that mm. one data point they pulled out as being, you see, we're not lighting, we're not hiding anything from you because mm. look, well, how long ago was that? 1970. We were telling you in 1970. And you're like, yeah, but then you told us a thousand times after that a different thing. 
Um, and D Doug, you're right. Uh, sorry, Doug's just saying that unfortunately the church still uses these pictures. Yes. Even though um, they're totally inaccurate. And yes. they, they use the excuse that, well, that's the way the artist drew it. Yes. Like, well, <laughs> you, you approved it. Yes. But yeah. there's, there's another image that someone put on Facebook today that ground my goat uh, oh, yes. as such. Not that one. Oh. <laughs> we'll go to that one. This is one that the church uses now. Um, mm. And you can see Joseph's, he's got his hand on the plate in a bag, which mm. is still inaccurate because mm. we know that they weren't. Um, and then he's got his white hat um, and he's, he's peering over the rim of the hat. And we know that's inaccurate from the um, accounts um, that have been given. And even, even when the church speaks about it, he's got his face fully in it to exclude all the light um, so that he can see his chocolate rock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange when uh, such, I guess random occurrences actually tell us the truth um, i think um when it came out because when it was released a few years ago they showed a photograph of a photograph of the seer stone yes in the joseph smith papers and then they came out about and of course this is all church historical documents because when i was researching i was very i wanted to be very careful what i looked at you know and um but i mean i'd already left the church when i found out about this anyway um i knew about joseph smith's polygamy i remember being taught that in seminary um but i didn't know that about polyandry i didn't know that some of the wives were only 14. i didn't know any of that until years later reading lindsay hansen park's year of polygamy on the feminist mormon housewives blog um you know, and I considered myself, I didn't consider myself to be a lazy learner, which is what President Nelson has called us. You know, I taught seminary, I taught institutes, I've got a theology degree, you know, I didn't consider myself to be lazy in my learning at all. Um, well, if, if we go fraud, back, yeah. if we go to a recent quote from Mary Osmond, Mm. You only fall out of the church because you weren't far enough in. Far enough into the bed, yeah. Now, yeah. I, would, I would like to say to Marie, mm. please mm. come and live in a ward in the UK for 20 years, do three call-ins at a time, Yes. Um, raise your children in it, and then tell me that I wasn't yes. far enough in. Uh, yes, oh yes. It's yes. utter, utter shock. Yeah. Um, yes. This image on the screen now of this... Um, mm. I guess, uh, billboard in the States um, is it's the seer stone, the chocolate seer stone. Mm. Uh, like I, I can't uh, guarantee the authenticity of this photo because I didn't take it. I'd be impressed if it was a church one, but I think the message it gives of mm. being kind of young and hip and just saying to the kids, you know, quoting uh, Jesus upon this rock, I will build my church and giving it, it's like they're giving it large and saying to the kids, you know, we're loud and we're proud about it. 
Um, mm. Whereas for the rest of us, we're kind of like, oh, you told us for years that that they were anti-Mormon lies. Yeah. That is actually a photograph of the photograph of the stone that came out with the Joseph yeah. papers. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which apparently was just some kind of magic stone. I think it was, um, oh, seminary teacher. Uh, he was, I say, a big anti-Mormon. He left the church. And he was one of the first who was kind of, he was with the Tanners and he died a few years ago. Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember now. He wrote a book, um, An Insider's View of Mormonism. Uh, yes. Um, I can't remember his name. If anyone in the comments can remember this, this brother's name, he was fantastic. Mm. He was the first one. I watched a, a YouTube thing of him and it was his aha moment. Um, speaking about uh, being in the church and he said he went to um, the church kind of vaults when he worked for the church in uh, Grant Palmer thank you Mormon Civil War yeah. um, and he handled this and other seer stones um, that the church used and I'm, I'm just thinking how much better would general conference be if they rocked up with some seer stones, turned the lights <laughs> off, and were just like, let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They just went for it and owned it. I think it's... if I'd known about that, I would never have joined the church. It would have, no. at that young age would have been like, but then being raised Catholic, you're used to learning about visions and Mary, Virgin Mary coming and miracles so perhaps it would perhaps i wouldn't perhaps it would be like well that's what i was used to hearing about anyway yeah um me and my wife always used to say to the missionaries if we weren't born into the church we wouldn't um be in the church like we, we'd never have actually believed it mm. uh, and, and now that i think about it, i'm like we said mm. that for about 15 years yeah Why did you and i think also I never, I never had a testimony of the Book of Mormon. I never had a witness of it. Even though I read it, I studied numerous times, I taught at an institute, I was on my mission, I really struggled with it. Um, I never had that burning in the bosom. I just always felt comfortable reading it. And I thought for 35 years it was my fault that I wasn't worthy. And then when I found out about the stone in the hat and the book of the Hebrews and all these other things, it all made sense. And it was a, it was a sheer relief. Yeah. Cause I read one of the things that happened was that in my questioning, um, my very good friend, Judith in Texas, she rang me in tears about some things that she'd found out and she'd been reading, um, series of books called the mormon delusion by jim mm. whitfield who is a british member and i ordered them and uh, very easy to read very well referenced very well researched and the first book i read or the second was about the book of mormon and it was such a relief to know that it wasn't my fault all those years i'd struggled and i'd really tried i liked bits of the book of mormon I would teach from it, but deep, deep down, I didn't yeah. really believe it. It was really hard. I wasn't being true to myself. And that was really hard for me, you know. 
I kind of think that 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 relief, because mm. um, I think we all we all get that eventually um, when we finally have that paradigm shift. Mm. But I think as well, it comes with a bag full of anger. Oh, oh yes, yes. When when you've still got a social mm. group. That are in church, and you've all of a sudden, in their eyes, you've been deceived and you've fallen, and you are the very bottom of the rung now. Um, and then you you have all these leaders saying these crazy things, and they're just yeah. laughing it up. And I compare it uh, with my wife to the church is the class bully, okay, and the teacher is kind of your family the people you love who are still tbms now the class bully does all these things and then the teacher comes in and you're like did you see him did you see him and they're like well no there's nothing wrong here and the class bully kind of just smiles and it's that sort of feeling of injustice of like are you kidding me you did not see that you have not figured out that that was wrong um yeah i was very angry when um and I, I always apologise for what I said when I was Mormon and when I was ex-Mormon as well. I was very angry. Um, and, of course, the church trained me to be a missionary. So I was keen to share with my friends. And when we both, when I told my husband what I'd found out after I researched for weeks and weeks, and then we went to the temple. Um, and I remember, I thought, well, I'll fast and I'll pray at the temple. I need to have a really strong witness because I'm going to leave if not, you know, I was really, you know, I really did all the right things and I felt nothing at all. And, uh, and we're there for the whole weekend and I was worthy, you know, trying to be worthy. And I remember thinking, well, either the church isn't true or God doesn't love me. And I'd felt for many, many years, I'd always felt unworthy, never good enough. And I was tired of feeling that way yeah and then the following week i shared my husband what i'd found out he then shared with me that he hadn't believed it for years anyway he'd been going to keep me happy and i'd been going to keep him happy to try and help him to progress in the priesthood but for many years he'd done what he could he'd been faithful he'd been worthy um but he didn't really believe it he was you know and um first thing he did was, was cancel tithing and then they had never seen him study so much church history in the next few days you know i said and i said you know being a good missionary i said you've got to find this out for yourself you know and then after about a week later we decided we had we had to go we could no longer stay in it but our three children had already left had already stopped going to church anyway which had caused some problems because partly um we felt like we were bereft parents. We'd go to church on a Sunday. Our three children weren't with us. They were all in their teens and early adults then. We felt that we would lost our children forever because that's what we were told, you know. But our children were wonderful and doing really well and succeeding in their lives. And um, they led the way, really. And my daughter was saying the other day that she left the church around 2005. I think she was 15, which is ironic, you know. And there was no, no podcast. There was no John DeLynn. There was no yeah. Mormon stories, you know, and she discovered exmormon.org. 
and she did her research on that but there was no other there was no ex-mormon groups or anything like that so you know i was reminded that i needed to perhaps we need to recognize our privilege as well there's a lot more support out there a lot more information out there you know no absolutely and i think yeah. um, something that Danal says here um, that your experience parallels hers very much um, and it's heartening to feel less alone i think there are so many of us that have come through and we we've had very much the same almost cookie cutter experience oh, yes. because people yeah. get pigeonholed in in certain places in the church yeah. um, but then we come out the other end and we're so afraid of sharing that with others because mm. it hurt so much um, i wasn't afraid that was the problem i'm northern i'm irish descent i'm red-headed i was very outspoken um privately we told our we told our friends privately first of all and we were called to repentance so i was told that was a, like a dead duck to satan but most of my friends kept in touch with us and most of our friends also so well that's why we've left as well and if you're leaving, there must be something in it. So we said, well, here are the links. We tried to stick to church historical resources as much as possible. You've got to find this out for yourself. And then that led us to make connections with people who'd already left the church as well. And we didn't know, you know. I think I'm, I'm less angry now. I've calmed down. But sometimes they do something. It's like, oh, you know, I can't. I can't leave injustice. You know? We're going to get there in a minute as well. <laughs> but before we do, um, in true, this is your life fashion. We have a voice from your past. No. Okay. We're, we're going to see. We're going to see if this works. The technology might totally scupper us. Here, let's, <laughs> let's see. Listen to this voice and see if you recognize um, anyone. Hello, Deborah Edwards. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Deborah, your bishop wants to see you. Right. <laughs> Blessing. We've, we've got you know, I, so, I so desperately wanted to talk to Gary when, because he was my bishop at the time. I used to teach him institute many years ago. I so desperately wanted to talk with him, but he was so busy. And I also knew what he would say. I knew what the standard answers were. And yeah. then he came round to see us after we sent a letter saying that we're not going to come back to church. We'll, we want to do it properly. And he came round to see us and, um, you know, he was so kind, but, and he was so concerned about us, you know, yeah. and I, I really appreciate that. And sadly, my, shortly after we left the church, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and that became a lot more important. But then again, it was also a bit of a distraction as well that we could just focus on the anger of the church, but really our anger was elsewhere, really. Yeah. And then Gary came to my home a year, almost a year later, and uh, we had a very different conversation. Bless him. Right, yeah, let, let's, see what, Gary. <laughs> let's see what Gary had to say. It's only a, a short one, all the way from oh, no. California, as if by magic. Um, here we go. Is your ex-bishop just leaving a uh, message for you? Um, just wondering how come you, you're such a, a heathen? I, I just don't know what to do other than to join you and be even too it sounds great um just basically saying hi and thank you for um for opening my mind um so that i can see um and i'll just leave that there thank you everybody speak later bye 
Okay. So yeah, so Gary, um, Gary was your bishop, and you deconverted Gary as such whilst he was bishop. It wasn't deliberate at all. <laughs> Never is. You know, he asked and we shared with him what we'd found out. Yeah. And then he had his own experiences that led him to question that as well. And um, yeah. yeah. And he, he... I think I've been a better, I've been a better, I've been a better ex-Mormon missionary than I was a, a Mormon missionary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, For some reason, it's so much easier. I can't think why, you know. Um, 52 days extra holiday a year, 10% pay rise. Oh, tell and, me about it. I love my Sundays. Love my Sundays. Oh, absolutely. I, you know what? I don't even see them as. At first, I was like, oh, Sundays. I must do something special with it because oh, I have it now. Oh. Um, and now I'm just like, two day weekend. Yeah. That's the way it should always be. But you know, I have no regrets because I loved the church and I loved the people who loved me. You know, I had some lovely experiences as well, and I have no regrets because I was very keen that I didn't want to feel as though I'd wasted 35 years of my life. Mm. I didn't want to go. I actually went for counselling quite soon after because I didn't want to have that. I want to know how to protect myself, you know. So I often say to people who are leaving the church that, that there are positives. Look on the positives as well. Hopefully for most it wasn't all bad, you know. Now, I'm not angry against the Catholic, well, I'm angry against the Catholic Church about some things, but that was a good experience as well. Fond memories of my childhood in the Catholic yeah. Church, very fond memories. So um, I'm angry, I'm angry with their, their wealth and, and the paedophilia in the Catholic Church, as within, ironically, my own church as well, particularly the wealth, you know, which I believe is that hundred was it hundred billion dollars increased again apparently you know i mean i could go on yeah yeah you know? <laughs> well, but I think it's, it's good not to not to, to look on the positives as well otherwise yeah. it's not good for you well i think um something that we we discussed before was what would jesus do with a hundred billion dollars and um wasn't there a parable about uh giving um money to people and and then burying it in the ground and then he was like no and, uh, anyway well when that um church accountant said that he they were saving it for the second coming he literally said that and this is separate to their humanitarian fund you know every now and again when we're having political discussions with my kids i always raise them do you know who's got the money to solve this and i like, yes go on tell us again you know yeah um, a big big issue the city creek mall and things like that you know wow. uh, which is no different to any other churches you know well mm. here in the uk and ireland uh, i mm. want to stress ireland, ireland um, yes. because i know that mm. in all of the hubbub and facebook posts and everything that's going on uh, leading up to halloween ireland's kind of getting left out to the side yes. because mm. these three old codgers um uh holland ballard and cook um have flown across the ponds with their wives yeah. uh, i think the area president's with them as well yeah. and they're doing this whistle stop tour of what seems to just be uh mainland uk at the moment um going to all the places where they were missionaries and things in fact ballard was in uh, nottingham where someone i know is from um today 
and uh, and he was saying all about how he stood there as a missionary and different things. And you're like, you are supposedly an apostle. Have you got nothing better to do? Um, can't you be a hospital healing children or oh, doing, wow. yes. doing actual good in the world rather than being on a jolly? But I digress. This weekend um, for the Halloween spooktacular, um, tomorrow there is the youth session for youth and young single adults. Uh, the link is in the description if anyone wants to watch. And then on Sunday at 10 o'clock, um, these three apostles will be addressing the UK and Ireland. Um, and how do you feel about that? Meh. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, um, you know, I've, I've been to many of these over the years. And I remember 1976, I just joined the church, going with a lovely family to Bellevue, Manchester. There were thousands of people there. Um, President Kimball was there, the Cormac, you know, it was loads of general authorities. And then going to similar things at the NEC in Birmingham. Um, and all being very fired up for it, but nothing really of substance. Yeah. And actually the numbers have got smaller and smaller. And and even before COVID, they were doing lots of online conferences as well. And I always remember when President Hinckley came, I think it was his last um, conference over here. And we went to watch it and I think it was online. Well, I think it was like streamed by satellite. We went somewhere to watch it. And there were so many people talking that eventually he got up and he actually said something like, well, I can have my 10 minutes now. Because he was, it was given like 20 minutes to talk if that, you know. And again, it was all about how wonderful the British people are and you British and your tea. And we came away thinking a bit, feeling a bit deflated a bit. Yeah. The last one I went to was actually Elder Cook. Um, um, he came over last time. I don't know when it was. It was August in that year. And my husband and I joined the state choir so we could have good seats to see this apostle. It was all bigged up in meetings, you know. And it was just like, it was just on holiday. Yeah. And he didn't give anything of substance, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. And I know that President Kimball said once or some somebody that we shouldn't expect anything new. We we having to be this we're having to be told the same old thing for a reason, which is a bit okay, well that's nice, you know. Yeah, but now we've got Nelson who wants you to take your vitamins because uh, yeah. I think he, he said that you think the gospel's being restored, but it's not all here yet or something like that. Um, but there's still more to come. We were told differently, weren't we? That we were told differently. Has now come forth, and that's what. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's uh, the guy is not absolute. I can't say it. Well, the, for, I, any, for any Scottish listeners, he's a fud. Yeah, um, I I think I lost my faith with Monson. I remember feeling didn't feel quite the same with Monson. And then gradually I, and then things like the, um, are we Mormons? Are we not Mormons? That whole campaign and stuff that was ridiculous. And then the, um, the November 15 policy where they said that children of gay parents couldn't be baptized until they were 18 and they devoured their parents' relationships. And then they changed it three years later. That was really, you know, that I'd already left the church by them. That just added to my 
already collapsed shell you know that just added to my cause to have to stand up and and speak and share where yeah. necessary you know mm. yeah. and um i don't know I, I won't be listening to anything because i have no interest but i will be i'm curious as to what they will say i wouldn't be surprised if a temple is announced in scotland they're bound to do yeah, something to, I, I don't know what would surprise me you know preston one I know, they, but they have these small temples now, don't they? they? I mean, they have these temples all over the world. There is hardly any members that they'll all say they're going to build that's still in building. But it wouldn't surprise me, you well, know. Yeah, they, they can they're going to do something. Um, so, yes. Or they uh, might, might just telling us how, how wonderful we all are. Well, everybody yeah. is, you know. Well, I think they will. And I can only imagine that the church has stocks in the UK and Ireland tourist board because so far it has just been an advert for how quaint this country is. And mm. I think there was a picture of a red phone box yes. the other day because he made a phone call from it. I wonder when it went to sad, because they tend to be like toilets now, don't they? But yeah, it's, it's, it's been, as, as Doug Vincent said here, it is going to be a little anticlimactic. Yeah, uh, and it usually is. Yeah. yeah. Are they actually meeting in people with people or is it just going to be online? Are they um, actually meetings where it's going to be streamed from? Or? I think I think they've missed a trick if they don't have a congregation. Yeah. Um, I know they've because, met with some missionaries already, haven't they? I know yeah. that. Because mm. who's who's gonna is it gonna have canned laughter for them crap jokes? You know what I mean? There has to be a captive audience. And when I say captive, I mean those people have to be there and they have to laugh. Um, yes. Or coup and, and different things. Or, or stand up when they arrive in the room and not stand up before them at the end. I remember that, doing that, you know, in the 70s, having to do that. Yeah, because, um, yeah, mm. they, I'd, I'd considered, if I'd known where it was, if we could have managed to egg one of them on the way in and they have to walk in without their jacket on, mm. the disaster <laughs> it would be because we keep yeah. our, the priesthood in our jackets. Oh yes, all right. Uh, <laughs> I get told you. Been without a jacket. Yeah. No. I would just make me laugh that they would say, "Brethren, you have permission to remove your jackets." And uh, it was a really true, hot day. I'm like, seriously. But at the same time, as well, I I'm pleased that they're here because, you know, there were many years where you felt quite distant from the American church, and I'm pleased that they're here. They're doing their roles. They're coming over, and I hope that some good comes from it, and it helps some people in their journeys yeah but you know um it is the uk rescue because numbers are down statistically what they reckon about 15 percent are actually active tithing is down by eight percent you know i've seen in the last 10 years three wars reduced to one yeah you know in my own area you know um and so, you know someone was saying on um, facebook earlier with regards to ireland and that in Ireland, there are only five wards and eight branches. Right. And, and there are approximately, I think I said about 5,000 members on the records, but around 1,000 active. Um, that's just unreal yeah. for the size of Ireland. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, but it's a very staunch Catholic country, and across the country, Northern Ireland, you know, yeah. I mean, um, have their own challenges. Um, I mean, when I joined the church, the, the the numbers were massive, you know, 
and there was a there was a time um in the late 70s early 80s where particularly in manchester we were getting like 10 baptisms a week but we weren't seeing anybody coming to church there was a real baptism fury going on and um there were people being baptized who we hadn't even seen and they just weren't seen again yeah and when i went for my mission i was really scared is this how we do it but my mission president was very curious as to what was going on in Manchester. So nobody's active. We're not seeing anybody, you know, yeah. and, uh, and it's well, we don't do that here. And it was a very slow, steady, caring pace on my mission, yeah. you know, which I preferred, you know, refreshing. Um, mm. And yes, and I did challenge people to baptism on the door. Although it was the elder Ballard saying that we, he, he didn't teach that, but I remember on my mission, that was what we were told to do. They, they give it the same old um, line. Mm. I think I think they have um, like a format for getting caught out. They get caught mm. out in something and then they come out with this first line with everything. And it's, we don't know where this practice began. Mm. But, but I remember doing that on my mission and uh, we had like um, a challenge week or something like that. And yeah. um, how many challenges can you do that week? This is like 1984, I think. Wow. And um, and it, and we would and you'd say it like if you knew the church was true would you get baptized oh yeah and you could tick that off as a challenge nobody wow. did and my companion and i were missionaries of the week and got taken to a special dinner with the mission president you know? oh there's nothing like a carrot yeah. on a stick too yeah uh, oh yeah 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 but um yeah. but your missionary work now um involves um the internet as such um mm. you were that in sense that everything that was going on you became one of the co-founders of um, a very good private facebook group called uk former lds yes that's right you know when you leave the church you there's three things you do you have a moan you set up a facebook group and you make a blog i think i did the three things yeah. you know and these days it's like make a podcast is a new thing yeah. as well and uh, I started it and then because I'd made some connections with Mark Johnson and Stephen Bloor and Jean Bodie and some others um, just by chat really and um, I think I think I'd sort of discovered we'd, we'd been watching John Delin as well and Mormon stories and we did it we did part of the we took part of the original survey and then we we set up a private group we made it private because there were some members who were working for the church who wanted to join the group as well and then of course some members whose parents were still active but mm -hmm. now it's mainly it's majority of people have left well 99 percent of people have left the church some were still in but need a bit of support every now and again you know yeah. and we but we have meetups we have get-togethers you know and uh made some really good friends and then of course we had sunstone we've had our third sunstone um recently where i met yourself and that was just the best you know oh, it was really you, good and you you do leave you do leave your your tribe in a way when you leave the church because yeah. i mean i lost my husband and my faith and my faith community and the ones close by who i thought would support us most many of them didn't the ones who i thought were our closest friends and certainly martin's closest friends I can count on my hand the ones who gave us any support when Martin was ill, you know, and I'm still very angry about that. Um, someone suggested it's because I was angry, but, you know, I wasn't at home all the time, you know, I was scared of little old me, you know, yeah. but, um, but that was why we, we needed to make um, 
a new community. And we do have meetups and get togethers and I've made some lovely, lovely friends, you know, and it's a good group, you know, it's yeah. uh, still private. There is UK form LDS meetups group, yes, which is our gateway group, yes. which is easier to find, you know. Yeah. So if, if um, it's a private group, so you won't be able to put it in the search, no. it, won't, it won't come no. up. But it's if you- quite not sacred. <laughs> yeah. If you um, if you want to join, um, it's is by invitation only. But if you Facebook message priests of dispatches, um, I'll quite happily invite you to it. But there are questions that have to be answered to be admitted um, to the group. Yes, I think um, we don't not so much do that. We um, we you have to be a friend, a Facebook friend, to be invited into the group. Okay. Can't remember if there are any questions. There might be. There, there are, are some rules about confidentiality and respect, and that some yeah. people are angry and we have to let that go. And and of course, what stays in the group, what's said in the group stays in the group. We have had some problems in the past, so we've managed that very well, a lot better than we used to do. Um, and they they can message me, and it's primarily for people who are British, you know, British or Irish. Yes, have, have left the church or having questions. Or people of a connection to perhaps they served a mission in England. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a they have a strong connection. We have some people who are studying over here who have joined the group as well, you know. We want to try and keep it, no offense to Americans, we want to try and keep it. It's our British view, it's our British group, you know. Yeah, and I think you you, you you need that because um you just won't get it. Some of the things, yeah. some of the humour that's in there. If well, you yes. don't understand British humour, you might be quite offended. Um, yes. Some of the things that get said, which are purely in jest, because yes. one thing we can do very well in England is take the piss out of ourselves. Yes. We do it a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, very yeah. much a sarcasm based sort of um, yeah. environment. So yeah, and also that. you know when. You know, the, when we first started, lots of research links going up because we're all we're all finding out all these things, you know. So it's a lot of quite heavy based on research at the beginning, and then we still do that, but gradually it's also about news, and we will post what's happening in the church in the UK because there are people who are still members, and still want to know and want to know how they're going to cope with this, you know. Um, we'll post about news about what's happening in the stakes and chris mace does a wonderful um fact checking about the um the charity commission reports every yeah. year and the best thing is that now we have these podcasters we have yourself we have doug we have peter we have um the 21st century saints we have this is something we didn't have 11 years ago it's wonderful you know we've know. really come on as a group it's amazing they let any tom dick or harry on here we do yes although um, i have been known to kick some people out sometimes <laughs> that's in the early days it was like mm, really okay you're not you're going you know yes, wield your power you know yes. you, you have more more power as a facebook moderator um than <laughs> president nelson has <laughs> you know what i mean it's four of i think it's three or four of us that admin yes yeah. and um, yeah and no, sometimes there are we have to be wary because we're aware of also some issues with some members who may have left and caused a lot of issues and then of course because the church is such a small place in britain as well we have to be careful sometimes because there may be extra relationships as well so we have to yeah. manage 
yeah. what's going on with that you know yes we i know are. it's a big group you know and it's one of my favorite groups and and i think we we get together as often as we can you know which yeah. is great no awesome um in the words of the famous hymn our time is far spent uh, there is none remaining um but deborah thank you so much um for sharing your story with us this evening um for your insights i think um every one of these i guess chats is very different um but i think we we hit some amazing points from everyone's stories um and thank you so much for sharing yours um a couple of admin points um for everyone out there um we have thrive uk um coming up on the 22nd of january 2022 in bristol thrive is all about thriving after mormonism um so it's a doctrine free zone um for a day uh, where we can all get together um, and have a bit of a shindig um in our common heathen state um this evening we um priest of dispatches has uploaded the latest um blog entry which is mission transposition um following a young sister missionary um on the streets of brooklyn and she has her very own interactions with the mafia um but yes thank you everyone for listening thanks for being here with us this evening um, and we will see you around on facebook and uh yeah wherever you get your news about ex-mormonism um but we'll see you next time thank you deborah thank you cheers bye. <laughs> thank you bye